Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable. I'm recording this on Thursday, 6.41 my time. I'm five hours ahead of East America, Eastern Standard Time. I'm getting on a plane back to America in about five hours. It's been such a weird day. I didn't pack until this morning. I'm packing up half, a little more than half, of all my stuff and taking it back to America to drop off so I can bring suitcases back with like fall clothes. Because I think, as of today, this is not written in stone, I'm headed to South Africa after I leave Ghana. I told you I was going home and then I'm coming back to Ghana and then headed to South Africa. Ain't got ticket the first, ain't got no apartment booked at this time, but I'll figure it out. I've got like six weeks. It's plenty of time. But I've been up since 7 a.m. It took me four and a half hours to pack all my stuff. I've got to take half my stuff home. But then like sorting through what stays for what I need when I come back. And then what I need when I go to South Africa. It was just quite the ordeal. And then I had to go get my beauty maintenance and all of that stuff done. It's just cheaper to do it here than at home. Like I got my nails done. Fancy design and a refill. I told you all I got acrylics. Remember when I was on hiatus, I was like, oh, I can have long nails again because I don't have to edit the podcast every day. I got these really long nails and they couldn't open anything because they're like too long and too thick. When I went in today, I was like, chop these in half. I couldn't edit. Like I can type decent enough on my computer, but not so much on my phone because I'm used to having short nails. And then when I edit the podcast, like my fingers were cramping and I was like, I'm not catching arthritis trying to keep some long nails and edit GTFO. So I had like my maintenance done. Some stuff I'm waiting until I get back home. I haven't been wearing lashes for the last two months or so. The last time I had them on, like my eye was so itchy and I was like, I think I'm allergic to the lash glue and like my eyes swole up too. And I was like, oh, absolutely not. And when I had gotten them done, my lash lady, you know, people in Ghana have like no filter. She was like, oh, your lashes are terrible. Like they're broken. They're very hard. When she was doing my lashes, like she was sighing and grunting and complaining. After that set of lashes came out and, you know, my eyes swole up. I was like, well, let me go on hiatus and let my eyes rest. Swollen is not a good look or a good idea. So I'm waiting until I get home to get my lashes and to get my wax work done. I got a spot in Maryland that does me right like it's clean. Remember the video? It was like a pastor. (laughs) And he was just eating his heart out. And instead of commenting on the pastor's oral work, everybody was like, where'd she get her wax at? Because that's clean. I got a spot in Maryland to get you clean, clean everywhere. So I get, you know, everything. Like the obvious things. But I also get like under my arm and my chin and above my lip and all of those things. 40-something problems. Hair in places that I was like, why is it there? Where did it come from? It's horrifying, but it must be addressed. So I saved that until I get home. And I called my trainer and I was like, can I work out with you? Last time I was home, I was home for six weeks and I gained six pounds. It was a noticeable difference. Like it all went to my face. I didn't particularly care for the look. I want to make sure that when I'm home, I can indulge in my favorite foods, especially since I'm going to LA. So it's all Mexican everything for like seven days. But I want to make sure I can indulge in everything and not, you know, gain my six pounds. Just realistically, I just want to not gain. But I ran around all day. I had to pick up some stuff for my parents. Last minute, they were like, we, can you get this? Can you get that? Can you get this? And I was like, I mean, really? You waited till literally the last minute to ask? But okay. 
crashing at your house for free, fully stocked fridge, food magically appears and there's always gas in my car. Sure, okay, I'll run around and get you random shea butter. And then I went to dinner. I went to one of my favorite restaurants, Bistro 22. They have one of my favorite meals here, pesto penny pasta, which a bunch of restaurants here have. But it's really, really good. Sitting in the window, I was having a glass of rosé, and I was just watching the street traffic and such, and I was so sad. You would think I was leaving Ghana forever, that they were kicking me out of the country. I was never being allowed back in, as if I had not willingly booked a ticket back to East America. I really like this place. It gets on my last nerves sometimes. I realized when I was sitting in the window all longing and sad, and I was like, oh my God, I have the same dysfunctional relationship with Accra that I did with New York. I stayed in New York for 17 years. I complained about it daily at least the last like eight or nine. And still, <laughs> my dad was asking me, he was like, okay, so you're getting a place in Ghana and you're talking about getting a place like in another country. Are you planning to get a place in America? Like as an American, will you have an American home? And I was like, um... I was running through the list of cities I could possibly live in. I was like, it doesn't make sense to like buy a place in Maryland, D.C. I could always crash with my parents. I don't want to go back to L.A. Atlanta, I can't. I can't focus in Atlanta. Houston is too hot. Dallas is sexy, but also too hot. Chicago, I love. But Chicago gets too cold. Detroit, my mother's birthplace, has very sexy moments, but also no. Philly is dope. Very soulful, but no. Richmond, after the Confederate flag incidents, no. I have a friend who lives in Nashville. She loves it. I have some friends that live in Charleston. They really like it. But mm, the times that I've been, it was cool. But no, it's just not my vibe. Miami, no. I like Miami for a four-day weekend. I've been in Miami for seven or eight days, and it's just not my vibe. Beautiful place. Also going to be underwater in 20 years. Half of it's underwater now when it rains. Vegas. Vegas is appealing because there's no state income tax, but mm, no. And after that, I feel like I've run out of possibilities. New Orleans. Strongly considered New Orleans. But anytime I want to go somewhere out the country, I have to do a layover. That's not really ideal for me. The only place I didn't rule out completely is not even based on anything because that city gets on my absolute last nerves. But I was like, if I had to move back to the States, I'd probably go back to New York. As much as I loathe that place, as much as I complain about that place, it's also the one guaranteed place that I usually end up when I'm home. Like I hit up one of my friends in L.A. because I was trying to get the girls together for a dinner because I haven't been back to L.A. since I left. I hit up one of my friends. She's an EP on a show and she lives in L.A. So I was like, hey, like I'm doing this dinner. I saved this date. Like I hope you can make it. And she was like, oh, my God, we'll be in New York. We're shooting the show. She was like, well, we'll just catch you when you're in New York. And I was like, you just assume that I'm going to be in New York. And she was like, but aren't you? I'm really excited to get on this flight tonight, kind of. I don't know why I'm acting like I'm not gonna make it back to Ghana. I do this every time I leave Ghana for more than like a week and change. Even when I was in Marrakesh, like when I was kind of over it, I was like, I wanna go home. In my head, home meant to sleep in my bed and a cry, not back to East America. I have two homes now. What else is going on in the world? In Kelly Rowland news, there's been a story that's been circulating about Kelly Rowland for about a week now. I didn't mention it on Tuesday or Friday's episode of the podcast, 
Because the story just didn't seem right to me. What was being reported in page six and a bunch of other places was Kelly went on the Today Show to promote her new film that she's starring in. It's a Tyler Perry film. She's been doing very heavy promo rounds. So she goes on the Today Show to talk about her new film. The story was they asked her while she was doing the interview to host like the fourth hour of the show. And she had agreed to it, but she abruptly left the studio and didn't host. So at first it was just Kelly abruptly left. She was supposed to host. Nobody knows what happened. Then it was Kelly was unhappy with her dressing room. They gave her the little dressing room and J-Lo had the big dressing room. Kelly felt a way about the size of her dressing room. So she bailed on hosting and abruptly left the studio. The idea was Kelly's on some diva shit. I saw this discussion in multiple places and people were really piling on to Kelly. You need to be humble. You need to be grateful for your blessings. Sis, you're in a Tyler Perry film. Humble yourself. Or sis, you're not Beyonce and you're not J-Lo. So you don't have a right to act like that. Oh, Kelly thinks she's a diva. It was really very negative. And from the very beginning, I think the first time I saw this story reported, and there were so many places, but the first time I saw it was on YBF. I followed the site on Facebook. Some of the comments were snarky, but a lot of them were like, wait and see. I thought and I commented, let's go with the wait and see option because we've been knowing Kelly for a good 25 years. We've been knowing Kelly since she was a teenager. We ain't never heard no stories of Kelly acting like a diva. By all accounts, very sweet, very gracious, very kind, very polite, very professional. I was like, so we made it through Kelly's teen years, her 20s, her 30s, and into her early 40s with no real drama, at least no diva drama. And then all of a sudden, Kelly's acting like a diva because she's starring in a Tyler Perry film? That don't sound right to me. I was like, I'm going to withhold opinion until I hear from Kelly. So Kelly has not spoken out. Kelly has not said anything. I read a story on B. Scott yesterday. Shout out to B. Scott, friend in my head. But I was reading on B. Scott that unnamed sources who were present at NBC, they were like, Kelly wasn't upset about the dressing room. Kelly was upset. She came on the show to talk about her new film and they were asking her questions about Beyonce. And I was like, oh yeah, that would irk the fuck out of me too. I got a whole film that I'm starring in and you acting like I'm the supporting act in my own life. I would, I would absolutely feel away. And in Kelly's defense, this has been ongoing for years. As many people in B. Scott's comments pointed out, if you want to know about Beyonce, book Beyonce. Oh, she's not coming to talk to you. Oh, well, that's unfortunate then. But don't ask me about somebody else. How should I know? The interviewer asked Kelly, it was something like, well, you know, Beyonce's doing this country album and, and what do you think of the album? Kelly was very gracious, didn't miss a beat. She said, I'm very proud of her. And then the interviewer tried to get more from Kelly about Beyonce. She asked her another question about B. Kelly smiled. And if you didn't hear after the fact that it was an issue for Kelly, you never would have thought so. But anybody would be annoyed. But she asked her again something about Beyonce. And then Kelly again was like, I'm, I'm so proud of her. In her head, she had to be seething. Like, I'm here to talk about my film and you asking me about my friend? 
Go ask my friend about her album. It's her album, not mine. I got a film, not an album. I posted B. Scott's story on my, on my Facebook page with the updated information that Kelly wasn't upset about the dressing room, that Kelly was in fact upset about being asked about Beyonce. And apparently her team had asked beforehand not to ask her questions about Beyonce or Destiny's Child. And then the woman went ahead and asked the questions anyway. So Kelly felt away. And she and her team packed up their shit and left. You can't rub somebody the wrong way and trample on their boundaries and then spring on them. Oh, could you do me a favor and host the fourth hour? Pick, pick one. Respect me and then ask me a favor. Disrespect me and understand there are consequences for that. I don't have a problem. Hashtag Team Kelly. She's so unproblematic. And it doesn't get her just due, at least not in America. Kelly is huge overseas. Oh, that's what I was going to say. I posted B. Scott's story that the issue wasn't the dressing room, that the issue was Beyonce. And then a friend who works for the network saw my post and very quickly slid into my text and was like, it's not true. The issue was the dressing room. Was it? The person said it wasn't Kelly who acted up, but it was her team. The person told me, and I know this person very well. The person is a very credible, well-known, and respected. If I told you the name, you would recognize it. Journalist. The person told me that the Beyonce story is just a cover. TMZ has the same report that my friend shared with me a day before TMZ's story went up. So, whatever the case, Team Kelly. You know I support Tyler Perry. I'm not the biggest fan of Tyler Perry films, but I do like Tyler Perry. We've talked many times about my change of heart for Tyler Perry. I will be watching the new film to support Kelly. What's his name? Trevante Rhodes is the co-star in this film. I told y'all I don't care for him anymore after ABFF. He showed his natural black ass. Oh, he was so awful. It was him, Michael Ely, and Yaya on a panel. Michael Ely was Skyped in. So it was just Yaya and Trevante on the stage. And he was just so, I mean, one high out of his fucking mind. But he was just so disrespectful, I felt, to Yaya and to Michael Ely. He was so terrible and he embarrassed himself so terribly that every time he went to speak, he would put the microphone up to his mouth and the audience would start laughing at him. I don't think he even had the wherewithal to understand what a terrible impression that he was making and how disrespectful he was to Michael Ely and to Yaya. And Trevante Rhodes is fine. Physically, he is fine. Like, I have gone gaga over him publicly, but he behaves so terribly. I look at him and I don't even find him attractive anymore. And you know, I'm very superficial about men's physicality. It was so bad that I look at him and like, I remember thinking how fine he was. And then like, I look at him and I just like, hmm. This don't do it for me at all. Like, that's how bad it was. So he too was in the film. I love Kelly enough that I will watch it despite Tyler Perry and despite Trevante Rhodes. That's a, that's a lot of love for Kelly. That's a lot. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully 
done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. In good black news this week, I read Beyonce hit the top of the Billboard charts for her country singles. And she's the first black woman to do so. Hold on. Beyonce top of country chart. I don't know if you can hear me typing on my phone. It's much easier with these shorter nails. My Wi-Fi, <laughs> my Wi-Fi is down and my cellular signal is kind of trash. I'm on AT&T. I didn't know what was going on until the East Coast woke up and started complaining up and down Twitter. Apparently the whole AT&T network crashed. <sighs> Ungood. I'm on a Ghana network right now. It's a little slow. But it just popped up. I'm reading this on Billboard. It says Beyonce makes her debut on Billboard's Hot Country Songs chart. Texas Hold'em entered at number one. And her other single, 16 Carriages, entered at number nine. Billboard notes, quote, prior to the triumph for Texas Hold'em, no black woman or female known to be biracial had previously topped Hot Country Songs. If you're thinking, wait, what about Tracy Chapman? Because wasn't she number one? Tracy Chapman achieved number one for being the first black woman to solely write a country song that was number one. It's also worth noting that Texas Hold'em entered the Billboard Hot 100 at number two and 16 Carriages entered at number 38. So congratulations to Beyonce. I said on a previous episode, I support B doing a country album, having a country moment. It's not really my thing, but apparently it's a whole lot of people's thing. So very much congratulations to her. I'm very happy for her. I saw Mama Tina put up a post. She was celebrating her girls. So Beyonce, obviously her country album. Kelly has the film. And then Solange is on the cover of Harper's Bazaar. Is that American Harper's? Yes, the legacy issue. Solange Supernova. I read that Solange is like writing music for the tuba. It's a very Solange thing to do. And I was like, yeah, if Andre wants to, you know, play the flute, I could see Solange on the tuba. But let me look up and see what the article was about. Usually when somebody's on the cover of a magazine, there's a project soon forthcoming. If not in February, in March. I'm on the Harper's Bazaar site right now. Let's see. 
Okay, I'm like on paragraph six or seven and it's not talking about like her big project that landed her the cover. It's like she's done a whole bunch of interesting stuff, which duly noted, but it's like the peg for the cover. Okay, here we go. Wow. None of my editors at Essence or otherwise would have allowed this. We're like 20 paragraphs in, at least like 750 words into the article. We finally get to the part where it's talking about her upcoming projects. It says one of them is a book about Amanza Lee Meredith. She designed homes for black vacationers in Sag Harbor in the 1930s and 40s. She had a companion, Edna. They lived in the house that Meredith designed. I'm not mad if this is what landed her the cover. Usually it takes a current project that's a little bigger than that. But like, okay. This can't be right. I'm going back to the top of the article. Hold on. This very much strikes me and I, I could be entirely wrong. This is based on absolutely nothing. I know no one who works at Harper's to my knowledge. Actually, let me see who wrote this article to see if I can call somebody real quick. No, not my people. This totally strikes me as we tried to get Beyonce and we took Solange. And I say this as someone who loves Solange. I'm just saying she doesn't have like a big project that usually is required to garner the cover of say a Harper's Bazaar. I'm just... I just went through the whole article and all I've seen is an upcoming book without a release date on a queer black woman architect, which is dope. But usually it takes a little more than that to land the cover. Like Beyonce's currently on the cover of Essence. She has a hairline coming out and also a whole album coming out next month. I'm very confused here. Happy for Solange, but also very confused about this cover. She looks good. Her hair is styled naturally. I'm pretty sure that's some additions in there. It looks good. It's poison ivy red. She got on a wife beater in her drawers with the thighs out. She looks really good. What else is there? Oh, we gotta talk about this. This is sad. This is very sad to me. Wendy Williams, she has a Lifetime documentary. I saw the, uh, the trailer for it a couple weeks ago, I guess. I wasn't clear when I saw the trailer. I was very confused. Because the trailer indicates that Wendy is not in her complete capacity. And I was like, who gave permission for this? Because it felt very exploitative to me. It seems that when Wendy was better then than she is now, she has a relationship with Lifetime. Because remember, she had a previous documentary on Lifetime. And then she also had a film about her life that ran on Lifetime. So there's a relationship there. But she agreed to do a documentary about her life when she was doing better than she is now. And over the course of filming, it seems that she deteriorated extensively. Up and down my timeline today, people are either talking about Kelly Rowland, Risa Tisa, and that 50-part story. I saw the cut. Like New York Magazine, The Cut. The Cut did a recap of Risa Tisa. That's how big this story is. Like the big white mainstream magazines are now talking about it. I'm like, really? Really? So Kelly Rowland, Risa Tisa, and then Wendy Williams. She or her representative or her family announced her medical diagnosis for many months, if not years, I would say. People have been speculating on what's wrong with Wendy. Physically, you can see that she does not look 
well, that she's experiencing some health issues. So I read today from multiple publications. I'm looking at the Instagram right now from Hollywood Reporter, and it says, Wendy Williams has gone public with her diagnosis of primary progressive aphasia, aphasia and frontotemporal dementia. I know what dementia is. Aphasia, I'm a little less clear on. Let's look up what aphasia is. I'm looking at Mayo Clinic. It says aphasia is a disorder that affects how you communicate. It can impact your speech as well as the way you write and understand both spoken and written language. It says this usually happens after a stroke or a head injury, but it can also come on gradually, slow growing brain tumor or a disease that causes progressive permanent damage. It said the main treatment is speech or language therapy. The person can relearn or practice language skills and learn to use other ways to communicate. That's, that's an upside. The homie, Janine Rubenstein, we talked about her last week, two weeks ago. We talked about Usher. She wrote the Usher cover story for people. She also wrote the Wendy Williams cover story for people. I don't think the full article is available online yet. At least it wasn't earlier when I looked at it. Let me check real quick. This story went up at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. The headline is, Inside Wendy Williams' Family's Fight to Free Her from Guardianship. It says the former talk show host has been living under a legal guardianship since 2022, and now her family is shedding light on the situation. I think there are two stories. Because the other one I read started with something about, like, it's been two and a half years since Wendy Williams. We'll find that one in a second. This is not the story I read earlier. But it notes that since 2022, Wendy Williams, age 59, why do I think Wendy was older than that? Not that she looks older than that, but just, I guess maybe because of her diagnosis. I just think of 50s is still young, but Williams, 59, has been living under a legal guardianship that oversees both her finances and health. And for the past 10 months, she's been in an unknown facility to address cognitive issues. The family says her court-appointed legal guardian whose identity remains private, is the only person who has unfettered access to her. They say Wendy can call them, but they cannot call themselves. William's sister asked, quote, how did she go from this aunt or sister that we love and is healthy one minute to this person who's in and out of the hospital? How is that system better than the system the family could put in place? I don't know. I do know that this system is broken. I hope that at some point, Wendy becomes strong enough where she can speak on her own behalf. People notes that Williams was appointed a legal guardian months after Wells Fargo froze her accounts. People notes that Williams' son, Kevin Hunter, is 23. People said that he was under scrutiny for his spending for exploiting his mother. Kevin strongly denies that in the new documentary. He says, I've never taken money without her consent. So people talk to the executive producer of Where is Wendy Williams? That's the name of the documentary. And he told people, I think the film is a great illustration of what, in this one particular case, life looked like for someone that was under a guardianship. Okay, the more I'm reading about this, this doesn't sound ethical to me. 
It says producers stopped filming the documentary in April 2023 after they found Williams in her apartment with her eyes rolled back in her head. From what they're describing that, that happens to her in this film, she doesn't seem to be in good health or sound mind, but they're filming her under the guise of showing what a poor guardianship looks like. That sounds ethical to you? <clears throat> People had the same question I did. And he responded, we asked ourselves almost every day, is this helping Wendy or is this hurting her? And in the end, we felt like it was helping her. This is about the guardianship system and how it can be improved. Your only way to show the piss poor nature of the guardianship system was to show a very famous black woman, not in her full capacities mentally or physically. This is the only way you could demonstrate that. I don't talk much about my time on reality TV. It was a very terrible experience and also a very terrible time probably the worst time in my life. There's many poor choices that I've made in life. I could make a list of much length without much effort. The biggest one I've ever made was giving white folks control of my narrative. Horrific mistake. I've seen a lot of people say that what's currently happening to Wendy Williams, and not even currently, but what started with her husband's I don't know if Affair actually fully captures it. Like he had a long-term relationship with another woman and he had a child with the woman while he was married to Wendy. But her unraveling, I guess what some people would say, started to our public knowledge with that. Then she started having the health issues and then she lost the show. And then it was all these very strange appearances is not the right word, sightings as being less than her best. I listened to Wendy Williams for years. I watched Wendy Williams for years. Actually, my first big interview way, way back, I want to say like I was still in grad school, maybe like January, February of 2000. Not 2000 anything, just 2000. Wendy had gone to Philly to work. She got ran out of New York by Puffy, allegedly. And she had just come back to New York. And I went up to the station to interview her. And she was interviewing P.D. Pablo. That's how way back it was. Maybe that was 2021. Yeah, January, February, it was 2021. And I remember when I interviewed her, it was for One World Magazine, Russell Simmons Magazine. But I remember I asked her, I wonder if I could find that issue. I have all the magazines that I've written for. There's hundreds of them in my parents' basement somewhere. But I asked her, I said, Wendy, like, why do you tell people's business? So she was like, oh, I only do it because it's lucrative. Telling people's business, being what we now call messy, it was literally a paycheck to her. She flatly said as much. I didn't have a personal relationship with her. I would always see her out and about in New York. She and her husband were attached at the hip. She was a very proud woman. You could say what you want about like her wigs or her style of dressing or her body enhancements, but it was her version of look good. And she didn't step out the house. She certainly wasn't photographed or filmed without her version of looking good. So to hear these descriptions of this documentary, where from the clips that we've seen in the commercials or the things that are circulating online, there's a, a clip that I saw earlier. She's having a conversation with, and she took her wig off. We've never seen Wendy Williams that way. 
And if she chose to do it when she was in her right mind, then like, so be it. Like she's a woman of a certain age. She stopped giving a fuck. But I just, something about this film doesn't sit right with me. And I'm going to be a total hypocrite because I'm going to watch it. And we're going to talk about it in next week's episode. But at the same time, like there's something about it that just gives me a bit of ick. The producers are saying like, we want to show what it's like to show someone who's under a guardianship and how terrible it is. Does Wendy know? Is she fully cognitively aware of what's happening? Of how she's being shown? Maybe I'm projecting how I would feel. But based on how she presented herself for all those years on TV, I don't think she would want to be seen like this. It just, it doesn't quite feel right to me. Let's see if we can find this other people's story. This is also written by Janine. This is a different angle on the same cover story. This is the one I was saying earlier. It starts with, it's been two and a half years since Wendy William asked her final, how you doing? That's what I'm reading from now. And this isn't the full article. This is just a little bit. But it says the family is speaking out for the first time in this week's, in this week's People cover story about what went down during this dark period as William's life delved into the exact kind of drama she would once have gossiped about during Hot Topics. Okay, this gives more context to the documentary. It says, when the Lifetime documentary crew began filming in August 2022, it set out to follow William's comeback as she prepared to launch a new podcast. The film quickly evolved into something entirely different as the crew captured Williams, who served as an executive producer on the project, in the throes of alcohol addiction and struggles with health issues, including Graves' disease, an autoimmune disorder that can cause bulging eyes and swelling in her feet. People describe there's a particularly gut-wrenching scene that shows Williams asking her driver to take her past the former Wendy Williams show studio, forgetting that he had done so only moments earlier. The driver says, I don't know what the hell is going on. I think she's losing memory. She doesn't know who I am sometimes. If she's not in her right enough mind to recognize her driver or remember that she just drove past the place that she's asking to see once again, should cameras be following her? This is a very, very sad story. I wish Wendy the best, which I was saying earlier about some people say that this is karma for the way that she spoke negatively about people for so many years and, and also how she spoke negatively about people when they were going through their worst. There's a particular interview with her and Whitney Houston, which was neither of their finest moments. Some people say this is karma for Wendy and people who dog her and don't treat her well, the support that she doesn't get, they point out, well, she didn't support other people when she had the opportunity to, which is true. And still, the husband and the other woman and the baby, if you want to call that part karma, I don't agree, but I won't argue with you. There's been so much in addition to that, a relapse into addiction, losing her talk show, this guardianship. In the trailers for this documentary, she's saying that she's completely broke. I'm like, how is that possible? You made millions. Like, I know she had to pay out the husband a bunch of money, but even half of what she had, she should still have money, money, long money. What you mean you broke, Wendy? Multiple health issues, and now a documentary where she's sitting around without her wig on, and it's clear she's not in her full faculties. Based on the descriptions we just read in People, that's a lot more than karma.
She might have deserved some shit, but did she deserve all this? I wouldn't say so. I feel real, real bad for her. I don't think anybody deserves this. I hope that her family, who is who seems to actively be trying to intervene and get the guardian out of the way so that they can take care of their sister, their auntie, their mother. I hope that they're able to get control of Wendy's care. Based on the little that we've heard about the guardian, it doesn't really look so good. We'll see tomorrow. This documentary airs on Saturday on Lifetime. I told you at the beginning of this podcast that I recorded it on Thursday. I'm actually finishing editing on Friday night. I'm back in America. I thought I'd have a chance to edit earlier today, but unfortunately I did not. My apologies for the delay. In the time since I recorded the podcast and then have now finished the editing, there's been a breaking news story. It's on every major platform. Portia Williams from Real Housewives of Atlanta has filed for divorce from her husband of 15 months, Simon. You know I can't pronounce his last name, but Simon, you know what I'm talking about. I want to acknowledge that I've seen the news story. I want to hold my commentary on this. One, because Simon has been denied residency in America and there's talk of him being deported. There's talk of an extensive criminal history. Apparently, this has been an ongoing issue. He's applied for a residency multiple times and has repeatedly been denied. This most recent denial was after he appealed a previous denial. So apparently, those court documents are floating around the internet. I haven't had a chance to read them. Also, Portia has filed for divorce, but as of 8.18 on Friday night, Eastern Standard Time, she hasn't made a statement about what happened. She's returning to the Real Housewives of Atlanta after two or three years hiatus. I don't watch the show, but keeping up with what's going on with the big Bravo celebrities, if you are online on a regular basis, is almost impossible to avoid. Um, I assume this is going to be a storyline on the upcoming season that Portia's returning for. I want to hold my thoughts because there's more to this story. That said, don't waste your pretty is probably the motto that I'm best known for. And when I say it, I mean it as a euphemism for knowing your worth and not wasting your time on people who don't act like they know your worth. I'm also an advocate of packing your pussy and go when you are in a bad situation. I say pussy, but it could mean penis as well. I am not a proponent of people staying in dysfunctional situations once they realize they're dysfunctional. If that is Portia's situation where she realized she was in a situation that was dysfunctional or no longer tolerable to her, I'm glad she packed up her shit and went. The same people that judge her for leaving after 15 months, if she stayed for 15 years, they would ask her, if you weren't happy, why did you stay that long? That's your fault. We'll wait to see what the what the real story is, or again, what the spin on the story is, because it's coming. In general, and for obvious reasons, I don't talk about reality TV that much, mostly because it's literally scripted. They do multiple takes. It's highly produced and edited. So it's not really reality. Ask me how I know. So thank you for listening. Again, apologies for the lateness. I literally took a transatlantic flight, 10 hours. I got in at 6.30 this morning and I've been running all day. So thank you for your patience. We'll be back on track for Tuesday. Have a great weekend. Talk soon. Bye. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. 
Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com.